It's Baxi's Musical Podcast. In the last three years, I've interviewed a lot of people on this podcast. I've talked to musicians and songwriters and producers and authors and artists and filmmakers. I've spoken to a couple of legends along the way in rock, pop, metal, punk, and ska, and a lot of other stuff in between. I've talked to people who have sold a million records and some who have barely sold any, and some who are already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and yet I still don't think I've spoken to anyone quite like my guest today, Ron Gallo. That's probably because there isn't anyone really like Ron Gallo, and I mean that in a very complimentary way. Ron is a unique artist whose originality and fearlessness and immense talent, as well as his dry and occasionally self-effacing sense of humor, separate him from nearly everybody else who is releasing a new album next month. And part of what makes him so interesting is that with every release, Ron Gallo reinvents who he is, what he has to say, and how he's going to present it. And each time, he manages to surprise the hell out of you by switching styles and genres and still managing to sound like Ron Gallo. And that takes an amazing amount of talent and persistence. Check out his 2017 debut solo album, Heavy Meta. Listen to Ron's opening riff on the song, Young Lady, You're Scaring Me. Listen to the ironic twists and turns of his 2018 follow-up EP, Really Nice Guys, or his album, Stardust Birthday Party, or his last album, Piecemeal, from 2021. You can even go as far back as his first band, Toy Soldiers, and see for yourself that you're dealing with a ferociously talented young man who has refused to retrace his steps. As he says in the title track of his new album, Foreground Music, he's a forward-moving man in a backwards world. The new album is set to be released in March, and having heard a few of the early singles off that record, you can totally see why he's been referred to as a rock and roll disruptor. And again, that's meant as a huge compliment. This is my conversation with Ron Gallo on Baxi's Musical Podcast. Hey, how are you? I'm very good. Let's see. Where My apologies for yesterday. Oh, please, will you stop? Don't worry about it. Hey, okay. I heard it was Thank a. I, I was told it was a, a time zone issue, which is uh, not surprising. Time zones are nothing but trouble. Yeah, and it was it was drastic because. Um, I was on Italian time when I put it in my calendar, so it was like I thought it was at 7 p.m. or something. Uh, so got all messed up. But. That's that's okay. I've done a couple of these where I interviewed someone in Australia. So when you you book it, you, it's like you're talking to them yesterday, and it just right. you know, it, it's the most impossible thing to keep in track to keep track of. Oh, that's bizarre. It's yeah, totally yeah. bizarre. I'm glad to, I'm glad I finally got you. Uh, congratulations on the the new record, Foreground Music. Thank it you. comes out. On uh, on March third, and, and in in standard Ron Gallo fashion, it doesn't follow any Ron Gallo fashion, which I think I mean that in the best way possible. Tell me about this record. Um, I guess it's the I'm back in Philly now after five years in Nashville, and a lot of this record came from a very similar mindset to the first record I made, which is called Heavy Meta. Uh, I was like, I'm back living in the same neighborhood that I used to live in, and it's just like one big construction site. Um, it's very chaotic and, uh, it's like just a perpetual colliding, colliding of different worlds and living here is just, there's just a lot to observe. I think about 
humanity and the state of the world in addition to like everything else that's kind of going on collectively in, in a bigger picture sense. Uh, but it's like really highlighted in Philadelphia, I think. And so, I don't know. I just, uh, I guess around a little over a year ago, kind of started working on it. And a lot of it just was me looking around and asking myself sort of what can I contribute and then seeing what I took issues with in the, in, in the world, just like whether it's politically, socially, my own neighborhood, I mean, and just kind of addressing these things and how I think they connect to how a lot of people are feeling. So I, uh, I just finished watching the, uh, the video for at least I'm dancing and uh, it's the best shimmy set to video in the last 30 years. I have to say, <laughs> it's, oh, it's, uh, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but then I watch the video. I'm going, yeah. Oh yeah. No, I totally, I totally get that. Did you choreograph it yourself or do you have to get like a Paula Abdul to help you through that? Yeah, I needed her to come in because that dance is like really, really, uh, as you, you like very technical. Um, so the technique was, I needed a professional, but yeah, she flew in. Um, we worked on the choreography for like a, like a week basically. And then, uh, I just kind of performed it in the ugliest locations I could find. <laughs> you know, the, the thing that I've, I've, I've really appreciated about you and i have been you know i've been studying up on the on the ron gallo catalog for you know, a couple of weeks now is you are the kind of guy that doesn't necessarily like to just settle in in, in a rut i mean you're the kind of guy that there's there's such a major progression from from the beginning of your career with toy soldiers to every single record is is different you know everything from like you say you know heavy meta to to, to uh to piecemeal where you incorporate like jazz and hip-hop the songs I hear now, they're also very, very different. It's like, it seems like you're incredibly mindful not to replicate what you've you've done. Is that kind of how you go about looking at this stuff? Sort of. I, uh, I'm definitely sort of a chameleon. Like, I get really, really into something for a period of time, and I usually create from that place, and then, you know, some time will pass. And I'm just kind of on to something completely different. And I feel like I've always kind of followed that path because it's really the only thing that feels honest and inspiring to me is like, okay, where are you right now? And it's, it's just, it's ever changing. Um, you know, it's probably some sort of ADHD undiagnosed <laughs> in there as well as I just like, I'm all over the place. And so even from song to song, even within a song itself from part to part. I just, there's something about, uh, you know, like if, if there's a band and, and they establish a sound, I couldn't, that would, could never work for me. That's why I couldn't, my previous band couldn't last because it's like you establish a sound for a band and it's a democracy. There's not a lot of room for evolution in that. And I just know that I'm all over the place. So with this, with my solo project, quote unquote, I mean, it's just about like perpetually chasing myself. And that's the only way to keep it going for, forever i think is it also about like a like a like a restlessness or you just find yourself bored easily or you're learning about new things and say okay i want to go down down that road yeah it's probably more that it's 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 definitely a combo but i think i think yeah i just i get into something or i find some sort of spark and then i'm like okay i'm gonna like milk this for all that it's worth and make a record and a song and then it's just yeah it's the only way to do it I th in, in my, from my perspective, I, I can't imagine another way. Has there been a lot of pressure for you to not do that? I mean, I'm sure like, you know, record companies want you to kind of, you know, take one path and, and not diverge from it. And 
And how much pressure do you put on yourself to to do that? Because I you know, I would imagine that it, you know it it can't always be easy to be thinking, okay, well, what can I do next? It doesn't sound like what I just did. Yeah, I mean, career wise, I think it's a mess. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I really don't. I honestly don't think it's benefited me in that sense because I haven't really conformed to even my own self. Like, you know, even from first record to second record. Uh, I established one thing and I was like, okay, you have to completely destroy that and rebuild something new. And yeah, I think it makes people that I work with and labels like a little bit crazy and it probably confuses audiences, but I think I always try to zoom out and look at it from down the road. When you look at the whole picture of like the body of work, you know, it's going to be pretty colorful and that's something I'm going to feel good about. Not just, all right, well, it's time to make heavy meta two again. Uh, but I will say, I will say this. Having jumped around so much and kind of seen the path that that can go and like the clash that you can get in with people you work with from being all over the place, I will say with this record, it was the most balanced thing that I've done where I, I looked at both what am I into and how do I feel and what do I want to do? And also what am I probably most naturally good at um, and what, what, what do people like about this project? And then like finding a way to balance those two things with foreground music. So if anything, this is the first time I've thought about multiple different things and just like, what does Ron want to do right now? Uh, <laughs> but it's what you, but I still did. So, yeah. I think what's interesting is that from anyone who may not know your music and hear you describe this, they must say, well, this, this, this sounds like a guy that hasn't found his voice or found his footing. But with every record, every record sounds like this is a guy who has found his footing and is very confident in what he's doing and unapologetically either like lyrics that are stream of consciousness and funny or or whatever. Every album sounds like you know exactly what you're doing in the moment. I don't know if that's true, but it does. But it certainly sounds that way. That well, thank you. I mean, that's that's good to hear. I, I guess I, yeah, I don't know if I know what I'm doing in the moment, uh, but I'm glad, I'm glad, uh, you know, but I guess that there's some, there's some things that, that no one can really shake. I mean, you know, the way that I write is going to be consistent no matter the style of music and the way that I play and there's a sort of idiosyncratic approach to it. Like that stuff's even in the genres shift. I mean, I guess there's some common threads. So, you know, it's, I guess as long as you keep that alive, you can kind of go anywhere. The evolution that you take, I think is really a very fascinating one because nothing is so, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, you're shifting genres, but nothing is so disconnected that you couldn't see it or, you, or, you know, if you really liked heavy meta, it, then you're still going to like Stardust birthday party. You're still going to like that. It's very clear. It's you. It's very clear. It's your voice. Just, you know, some of the sounds and the arrangements may be different. And I've found that to be kind of true of the, of the new stuff too, just the lyrically, there is a lot of consistency between, you know, lyrically between one and the other. That's one of the things that makes it so interesting and so entertaining is that you're not afraid to use a sense of humor in your songs. And a lot of artists are like deathly afraid of that. I mean, it's, it's I mean, it's hard to imagine like, you know, you two singing about supply chains for uh, all the t-shirts in the world. I mean, you would never hear Bono sing that, but but you would hear ron gallo do it and you say oh yeah that makes sense in the context of this song <laughs> i mean yeah the the humor i guess it, it comes from i really 
I really do not take myself very seriously in any way. And I think that, but, but at the same time, I think that it's important to use music as a platform to address things that are heavy or real or, or relevant. And I also just think if you can find a way to make people laugh about like all the fucked up shit that's going on in the world, that's when you can really start to understand it. It like makes it a little bit more digestible and easier to face. So it's sort of like part therapeutic for me to find humor in these things. And hopefully it's easier for people uh, to be able to laugh while thinking about some of this stuff because, you know, world is kind of heavy enough. Um, but that's what's cool about it. I mean, it's it's a sense of humor, but it's not at the expense of the, of, of the music itself. I mean, it is it is part of the music, but no one would ever confuse you with being a novelty act. That's just that's just not what you are. You're not Weird Al. You're weird, but you're Ron. You know, and, and and that that's a big difference. No, I guess it's a way to it's a it's a line to walk. I guess a pretty thin one. Where, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. Like even with previous incarnations of our band, some of the shows, like we've always done weird bits, uh, comedic bits and stuff. And like, there's been shows where like maybe they went a little too far. So it like it does it like teeters on that line between. You know, I'm always trying to find the balance. As I was doing uh, my research on you, somebody had uh, had said to me, "You got to check out Ron Gallo's live stream from a few years ago on uh, on Amazon and uh, and Twitch." And I and I watched it, and I think you know, I've learned more about you in that opening statement. You know, offering the list of Amazon guidelines <laughs> than maybe anything else is so freaking priceless. Tell me about that situation. Well, firstly, thank you because. I felt that way too. Uh, <laughs> things like that are usually a better way for people to understand what I'm trying to do or what I do is, is those kinds of things. So I'm glad you got that from it, but yeah, I mean, I guess long story short, uh, you know, it's, it's early pandemic. Um, times are tough. Things are, you know, like the rugs been ripped out for, for artists and touring is all, you know, non-existent. And so the label came to me and said, uh, we're doing like a showcase with Amazon uh, on Twitch and we would love for you to do it. Uh, we have like five artists from the label. We want you to be one of them. And so in the back of my mind, it's like, there's always that thing where, oh, this is a, this is good promotion. So you should say yes to this. <laughs> I like, you know, you feel like you just had, there's certain things that you just have to do without even really questioning yourself, like, do I really want to play an Amazon live stream with no pay? But I said yes to it. And then time passed. And it was like, it was the day before the live stream. And then it really hit me. I was like, wait a second. Why did I say yes to this? I asked, uh, I asked like a week before I said, is there any budget? Like, is Amazon paying any of the artists for, for this? You know, it's Amazon after all, they can definitely afford it. <laughs> so they, they went, they went to Amazon. They asked, Amazon said no. So then I was like, I use all this as fuel. And I was like, okay, well, it's a little bit soul crushing that I have to do this thing today. So I'm going to find a way to make myself feel good about doing it. So I'm going to sort of <laughs> find a way to like use their own platform to expose like what I think is this very kind of fucked up scenario that we're in, especially the timing. And so, yeah, I just kind of, you know, instead of getting on there and being like, yeah, you know, but uh, I figured it would just be like we were just saying, like a little bit more digestible if I sort of made it into a bit. And so, like, I read it off the paper, you know, the fake guidelines, 
to expose it and then just play the songs. And <laughs> and then surely like a, an hour after I got an email from the guy from the label and it was like, Ron, holy shit, Amazon contact us. They're they're gonna pay all of the artists. Uh like I guess a, like a like a a pity pay. They felt <laughs> bad and I called them out on it. I was like, all right, got five artists paid. Good. Good. Myself, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm that shit. I'm watching this. I mean, like, like they're really seriously not paying them. They're just charging me 139 to renew my Prime membership. I, at the very least, I would have written you a check for 139 bucks if I were Jeff Bezos. <laughs> at the very exactly. least, to play for 45 minutes. Exactly. Exactly. But but I, I I appreciate that because it 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 just it shows you. I think I think it shows a lot of people that you know the pandemic has been kind of a game changer for a lot of artists you know not only the fact that it caused many to struggle you know to not be able to to work but also to be real creative in putting music together it's not like you didn't produce music or release music during the pandemic but it really required everybody to kind of take a different approach to you know whether it's you know file sharing or or whatever it really kind of put people kind of at a do-it-yourself mindset that had never really been done in the yeah. in the same way before how did you manage your way through the rest of the pandemic apart from the the amazon twitch situation i actually greeted the 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 initial pandemic lockdown period i greeted that like i was weirdly calm and almost like found peace in it i was like okay this is happening it might have been a defense mechanism like not you know facing the reality but at first i really leaned into it i was like okay slow down you're gonna be at home you know it's gonna you're gonna live a quiet quiet life for a period of time this will be all be over in a few weeks but yeah and then and then like maybe a couple months in it was just it's been like an just an existential crisis for two years straight uh kind of still in it i think just yeah the the ground has been has been ripped out and it's sort of you know, aside from not being able to go out and play uh, for all that time, yeah, it was like the least inspiring moment. And then now, year kind of years into it and things starting to kind of become somewhat quote-unquote normal again, it's like we're going to be going on tour this year. It's probably going to feel the most normal that it has. There's still just like this stuff in the back of your mind where a lot of the flaws and the whole structure of the music industry have been exposed and it's like hard to unsee them. Uh, things are more expensive. There's there's more risk uh, involved in going out and touring. You know, not just the financial, but also like we're still in this shit. There's still stuff going around. And it's like yeah. if you go on tour and somebody gets sick, it's like that's a bullet in the in the tour, like you might lose a week, you might lose a couple of days, you might have to cancel the rest of the thing. You don't know what's going to happen. And so for me, it's just, I look at it as it's like A and B. And and sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh man, all those times that I was wanted to like roll out of the van or I was burnt out or just exhausted and complaining about dumb shit being on tour for so much. I'm like, we kind of had it great in a way because we weren't worried about all these things that we're going to have to worry about now. And so I don't know. It's informed how, how I want to do things. And I think it's less is more that things that are more meaningful, uh, do things on your terms. And that's going to be kind of my approach moving forward. I, I think that's, you know, really smart because as you, as you kind of alluded to, I mean, one bad thing happens and it's a domino effect for, you know, not just you, but 
or or not just you know tonight show but next week next month and then there's the glut of everyone trying to get into venues to perform you know they're just not the same kind of opportunities you almost have to find your own you know opportunities time and time again if you know you're online you're following your favorite artists and you you find out oh oh my god they just they just stopped their tour for whatever reason and it winds up fucking up everything yeah it's brutal i don't know it's over the course of the last few years it's like the internet has become so vital it's been all that there is to really promote music and connect with people in like a consistent fashion and because of that i feel like the internet has become less uh functional in that way like it's everyone's competing for like the infinite space of the web and everyone's just more overloaded and people are not even seeing things from artists that they they follow it's like all all this algorithmic bullshit it's just it's bleak it's like the whole thing is just very it's 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 sort of bleak and and without that that in-person human connection that kind of validates, you know, that's why I'm excited to go out and play because when you're in your house and you only have this thing and you're, which is a phone, no one's going to see it on the audio podcast, but <laughs> when you have, when you have your phone and, and, and like, okay, well, I have to share this or share this new song. And then you engage with people. It can feel just very futile, everything. Um, but then you go out and you tour and you're like, oh, there's people here. They're having a good, like, they're excited. Yeah, things do matter, but the internet makes sometimes make it feel like nothing matters, and I, I really hate that about it. Well, I I think the 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 problem is is that music has always had an an element of of word of mouth, and that goes back decades and generations. Where you introduce somebody to somebody's music they may not know, and all of a sudden now your audience has grown by by you know a, like an additional person, and it's kind of like the the Amway of of uh, of self promotion, but the fact of the matter is, you know, the internet and social media kind of works the same way. You may not see you know likes or shares on your own page, but there's a pretty good chance someone's sharing that somewhere else from many different sources. And the the fact that right. you've got stuff on you know social media, but also YouTube and you know Spotify. I mean, the the you're right. The the algorithms don't necessarily fill you with confidence, but that music is getting out there. It's just in a different way than it used to be where, you know, you you go into a record store and some guy's playing your record. Yeah, it's no, that's actually a good thing to to remember, because, like I said, it it's sort of a balance. It, sometimes w- with the Internet, it can just feel like you're just hitting a wall with it, like things yeah. are not reaching people at all. But then what you said is then sometimes the thing that I I, I remind myself is like you have no idea. You put this stuff out there. You have no idea who's going to encounter this on Spotify or YouTube. You have no idea, like you said, who they're going to share it with. And that's that's what's so strange about it. It's like the internet has allowed us to quantify like all of these things. So you feel like you can watch everything as it's unfolding, but it's not really true. And I think that's the like the disillusionment that people can get with it. Um, like reality versus what the internet says. And so you know, that's what's exciting about going on tour again. It's like you will find out, you know, how how it's going and, and you'll see people again. Like, oh, all right. Well, I'm- you know, that delayed reaction, you know, people tend to forget that, that it's always happened. You know, when, when Guns N' Roses many, many years ago released that first record, it took nine months bef- after its release before anybody played it on the radio. 
nine months for a lot of artists, they'd already be on to their next record and say, oh, the hell with it. You know, this, this obviously, you know, was a, was a dud. And then it winds up selling, you know, like a billion copies. People forget that. And it's like, you know, the word of mouth, certain things happen. It's either, you know, the right place, right time. And sometimes I feel, I feel the frustration that of, of what you and a lot of other people say. But the reality is when something connects, it connects for reasons that have always been out of your control. Same thing for something that, that may fail. No, this is a great reminder. Um, and that, you know, this is, this is just like one of the many ways I think that the last few years has destroyed our brains uh, <laughs> from a creative standpoint. And just, you know, you just forget like everything's gone out the window. So, well, you're right. You're right. That, that does not change. And so it's, let go and just shut up and put the stuff out and go play and enjoy the ride. That's what it's about. One of the, uh, the things I, I stumbled across and I'm so glad I did was the, uh, the documentary that, that you had done for a uh, real, the really nice guys EP where you're having, you, you talk about existential crisis. Well, you know, here's another one where you decide you're giving up rock music to devote your life to skateboarding and, and, and jazz and neither one of them particularly well, that had to be one of the best promotional videos for any band that I have ever seen. I, I was laughing out loud a number of times in that video. That was so genius. Thank you. I, I that's still to this day, my favorite thing that we've ever done. It was just <laughs> the thing about it is that most of the people in that film have never really been on camera before, but I feel like everyone's performance is like 10 out of 10. <laughs> I don't know. It just, everything synced. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. It just, yeah. 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 I mean, being in Nashville and being a music town, I guess it's like, it's exaggerated reality for a lot of the people in it, but yeah, I still <laughs> just say my favorite, my favorite thing we've done. My, uh, my favorite part is when, uh, when Dylan hands over his belt to Joe so he can hang himself while you practice jazz for the third straight hour. It, I mean, it's just, it's dark as hell, but so freaking funny. I just thought you, you should be proud of it. Cause that's, you know, you don't see a whole hell of a lot of, of those kinds of, of videos done by anybody. And it's it obviously takes work and, and, and some creativity, but it was just, it, it's so damn funny and available, you know, on YouTube and everywhere else. So great. Thank you. It's not for everybody probably, but it <laughs> makes sense to us. Well, no, but, it, but you know what? It, it made me want to listen to the EP. It made me want to listen to every subsequent album because you know it's that kind of creativity that says okay here's somebody with a real unique you know point of view when i listened to the ep and i heard rough mix uh, for example i thought oh my god this this guy's unbelievable because you know here like here's a song that starts off sounding like a like a lo-fi demo and it winds up by the end of it sounding like the verve to me it kind of informed me about what i was getting into looking into to, into the Ron Gallo sphere. It just, it was, it was a great door to walk through. That's the intention. These yeah. are the things that, that I, I, uh, these are the things that I think will, will people should enter through. The use of auto tune alone on, the, <laughs> on that song. Gotta go big. Oh, you, you did. Big. You did. So you, you, you talked about, you know, living in, in, in Nashville, you know, for, you know, a decade or so and, you know, going from Philadelphia to Nashville, and then back to to Philadelphia. As far as you know, performing live in in either one of those towns. I mean, you know, you know Nashville has its reputation, but you know, for a guy who's doing your kind of music, it doesn't necessarily, in in my mind, kind of evoke. You know, this is the right place for Ron Gallo 
to be. But when you're performing live, I mean, are you seeing different reactions from crowds because of where they're located, or is it just different because of the music you're playing? Well, one thing I'll say about the Nashville thing, that sort of disconnect of not really making sense there really excited me. Like I love, I, it kind of gave me a recklessness where it's like, I'm going to go to Nashville. I'm going to do my thing and I don't give a shit. And I think it actually worked. <laughs> it kind of worked to my benefit because, you know, our shows are still can be pretty, pretty unhinged. And like, you know, there's not really much barrier between crowd and audience, but they were really pretty intense back then. And I think for Nashville, which is, it's a musician's town. So a lot of people are going to shows and they had got like their arms folded and they're, they're studying and it's stiff. Yeah. And so when I started playing down there, here's this person who's like out in the crowd and just, you know, this super intense show, you know, for all of these kind of musicians who are there, like kind of, kind of stiff. I think it was a little bit jarring. People were like, cause I don't know. I, <laughs> a lot of musicians are like, yeah, I'm like, cool, man. I'm just going to like play it cool. I got like my brand, man. Like, you know, I'm going to put on my thing. And I'm just like, I didn't give a shit about any of that. So like <laughs> it gave me fuel going to Nashville and doing what I do. Cause it just didn't make any sense. So, but yeah, I mean, a town like that, it's one thing, um, you know, and then at like a place like Philly is different because music is like an accessory to drinking here, which I don't really love. So it's like, right, right. I don't really care about playing in Philly that much. I don't, I'll play here because it's home, but it doesn't really feel like you're accomplishing anything because it's just kind of like party, party town, you know? And then you go to uh, lots of, I mean, aside from the two places that I've lived, I feel like there's a little bit more of like a genuine interest in the music and people there for the right reasons, which I like. So I much, I think I prefer not playing in hometowns. You know, one of the things that, that does happen too is if you, if you are playing in your hometown, Anybody that has even a minute of success, <laughs> you already, you know, create all this resentment towards you because of your, of your success. I mean, if I'm, you know, I'm not a particularly jealous guy, but if I'm, if I'm watching Ron Gallo on stage and I'm a musician who's struggling to, you know, to put a meal on my table and suddenly you're playing, you know, young lady, you scare me. And I hear that opening riff. I'm going, Oh, well, you know, that's, that's, that's it. I'm not going to be able to compete with, with the talent of Ron Gallo. I mean, there's got to be some, some, you know, jealousy and some hometown, like, Oh, that guy sold out, you know, whatever it may be. You, you, <laughs> you hear that all the time from like, you know, the home, like the hometown band that, that does well. So yeah, I mean, I kind of understand how you go, you know, that it's kind of a pain in the ass to be doing this at home. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because in Nashville, it's probably a lot more what you're saying because it is competitive and everyone's trying to do the same thing. And it's like, even that, I didn't care. It's like, I didn't even go there to try to make it in music. I went there because my friend had a room open up and I needed to get out of Philadelphia. So it's like going into these environments, I, I thrive in those environments because I'm not on the same page as a lot of what the other people are trying to do. Like, you know, rub shoulders and network and be social climbing. I'm like, it's just... I don't care. I don't want to be associated with any scenes. I don't want to go out and try to like, you know, see who I can connect with and get things from. I don't care. I just like do my thing and then like do my thing both at the show and not at the show. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. And, and with Philly, it's like, uh, 
living here for so long and playing here and then taking so long to build something to a point where we're like, okay, we actually do pretty okay in Philly. And then I move away and all of a sudden it's like all the support in the world. It was like everyone, like I felt, I felt like there was more love from Philly when I didn't live here. Uh, <laughs> it's like that absence makes the heart grow fonder bullshit, right? I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> the, the new album is, is coming out in, uh, in March, but you're going to go to Europe for, for a while to, to start that tour, Germany and Switzerland and, and Spain. And then you are coming to the Massachusetts area. I think you're going to be in Cambridge on April 5th is uh, yeah. is when that's uh, going to happen. As as far as what happens after that, I mean, are you looking to continue to 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 play on the road, or are you going to look to you know start making new music after that? Um, after the like the April, we'll do the dates here uh, in the U.S. and then yeah, we do the we do the month in Europe, and we'll have like a couple a couple months of downtime, and then we're I think we're going to do West Coast in September. And then uh, we're going to just kind of see where, where the fall takes us. Um, I know we'll be doing stuff. I don't know what it'll be, but I think after these initial runs, it's kind of like, just see what, see what happens, yeah. but keep going. I'm not, I'm not like too anxious to, to, to get back into to studio mode again. I'm kind of ready to get out of the house and like, go, go play. And- <laughs> Well, I, I I'm looking forward to the new record. I've, uh, I've become a real quick fan of uh, of what you've done. Thank you so much, man. Absolutely, it. Ron. Best of luck to you. I hope things go well. Thank you. I'll see you sometime in the real world. I <laughs> hope so. The name of Ron Gallo's upcoming album is Foreground Music. It's set to come out in March. Check out the rest of his music online and those videos on YouTube. You will thank me for it later. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to like it, share it, review it, tell all your friends about it. You can email me at backs at rock102.com. I'd love to know what you think. And thanks again for listening to Baxi's Musical Podcast.